Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Side with Diggs. And they go deep. They go deep. And Diggs has it. What a call. To three. We're going to run a go route. And Fuller does a good job making him go inside. A little bit of help from the safety then. But Diggs is too fast. And it's a perfect throw by Cousins. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here, Courtney Cronin as well. Jonathan Harrison is producing. And right off of the top of the show, we have a person on the internet, among many, tweeting about the possibility of Stefan Diggs being traded. Now, I do not want to call this a trade rumor or say that it's coming from some sort of legitimate source like Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, or anything like that. But let me ask you this to start the show, Courtney. If we found out this week that Stefan Diggs went to the Vikings brass and said, I have just had enough of this, and I can't do another year with this quarterback and with the same story, I'm one of the best wide receivers in the league, and I want to show it somewhere else. Give me a 1 to 10 how much that would surprise you. Does 10 mean I'm more surprised? Yes. 10 means that you are totally stunned. Okay. And one would be like if you found out that Michael Floyd was lying about kombucha. Put it at a 1.5. Really? Okay. I wouldn't be surprised at all. So that puts it in the category of like very possible that he would do that? See, that's where I'm cautious on that because we haven't heard anything yet. Stuff I've checked in on internally, nothing's popped back that, hey, this is legit. Because Mm -hmm. we've been hearing trade rumors since... What was it? OTAs, when the uh, Instagram picture came out of him wearing another uniform. Yeah, it was uh, St. Patrick's Day. That was sent out, so that would be March? Yeah, sent out by his brother. I think it's either Marshawn or Trayvon Diggs sent out a picture of Diggs, of Stefan Diggs, in the Redskins uniform. Um, And Adam Schefter, within a few minutes, had confirmed that it was totally bleeping false or whatever whatever his viking source inside the building had said about just seeing that and saying it was just unequivocally false um but we fast forward to the month of october where we're at now going into week five and seeing how this season has transpired for stefan diggs um 
And when you think about it, with the trade deadline coming up, with the season at a really critical point right now, I mean, I don't think there's anything more must-win than this game against the Giants. Um, and we could continue saying that probably every week for this offense because there's just no solid foundation to stand on saying, hey, it's going to work out, it's going to be fine, there's a recipe for success because it feels like it's just so um, in limbo. And if I'm Stephon Diggs, if I'm 25 years old, I'm in the prime of my career, I am have yet to make a Pro Bowl, and I put up a 1,000-yard season last year, and I'm trying to justify my contract, prove my contract so the Vikings can't come to me and ask me to take a pay cut or mm-hmm. anything like that in the years down the line, um, I'm going to want to necessarily, if things play out here, I'm not going to want to be here. So that's why I think all the dots line up to all the speculation. Um, you know, one thing I think as a media member you look at here when it comes to Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen is we're kind of back to where we were last year. I think I've used this term on this show before. It was very much a read between the lines type season. Well, certainly um, was. With John Filippo, Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, what they say, taking it at face value and then diving into it, talking to people behind the scenes, reading through the comments. Um, Adam Thielen's comments from Sunday needed to be said. Maybe they were a little harsh. I didn't think they were, but this is Minnesota. Adam is from Minnesota. He walked that back a little bit yesterday and tried to make it more in a broad sense. We know what you were getting at, Adam. It's fine. Go ahead and say it because it needed to be said. Stephon Diggs hasn't talked to the media since before the Oakland game. Now, some people are going to say, oh, that's a wide receiver being a diva. He's cranky. He's upset. I don't think he wants to say something that is going to get blown up into a headline and get even more speculation that he doesn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's somebody who wears his emotion on his sleeve. As we, we saw Sunday. As we saw Sunday. In the game, towel over his head on the sideline, had to be kind of calmed down by Kyle Rudolph at one point because he clearly did not agree with the play call of, of running it on first down so late in the fourth quarter, which, same. you know, same, Stefan, same. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel you on that one. But it's... You know, or checkdowns to Amir Abdullah. Or CJ Ham. Anyways, um, I do believe that the rumors, that's what they are right now. They are rumors. And until we hear something further, I think that's all you can go off of. But it makes sense to, to bring up this point of somebody who was such a humongous part of this offense. He's the miracle man. He ha- you know, He will be enshrined in Minnesota forever. But right now, he's frustrated. Right now, Adam Thielen is frustrated. You know, I have a story coming out tomorrow. It's kind of like, what the heck happened to them in the first four games of the year this year? The pendulum swung so far in the other direction. Mike Zimmer didn't like what John Filippo was doing last year, even though the offense was performing out of its mind the first four weeks of the season and really up until week nine when Zimmer decided he wanted to get involved in that side and there was bucking of heads um, and it led to the firing of John Filippo ahead of the week 15 game against Miami. But now as we look at it, like, they're obsolete in this offense. And I don't want to go as far to say, like, the offense, the game plan is not, like, they can't do anything in this offense. Because certainly we saw a number of times on Sunday when they were wide open. Um, there were there were play-action throws that could have been made. There were, you know, intermediate throws. Like, you don't necessarily need to go the deep shot, but you could have gotten your receivers and trust them to get away from the safety and, and trust them to do their jobs. You could have trusted them a little bit more, and Kirk had time to throw. But right now... It's coming to a head where eventually it's got to tip one direction or the other, and I just don't know with the way that this offense looks right now that it could get back on track as quickly as it might need to, if that makes any sense. So I'm trying to write down right now 
all the things I can think of for reasons why Stefan Diggs wouldn't want to be here. Okay. And maybe you can either rank them. I'm not going to make you pie chart. I could. Do you want to? Do you dare? I can get get your can piece I get, of paper. Can I get a pen? Yeah, I can get your pen and piece of paper. We could try to pie chart right now. Oh, if Lord. you want pie chart of reasons why Stefan Diggs might want to leave. Right, which, again, it's only on social media that people are talking about it. But now it's kind of two weeks in a row where it's been talked about it. It needs to be addressed because and, of the era that we're in in the NFL with Jalen Ramsey, which... I remember I asked Stefan Diggs specifically about that right after Ramsey decided he wanted to take his destiny into his own hands. Um, and he gave me a pretty basic answer just about, like, at that point he claimed he hadn't heard about it, didn't know much about it, but just, like, guys being happy and, you know, you want to be in a situation where you're appreciated and where you're used. Um, I th- And I know that you and I predicted that. If there's anybody that's going mm-hmm. to be the guy that would want out... Yeah, it's probably Stefan Diggs, and for a litany of reasons that y- that you can't that say or anything that are more legit. Okay, let me have them. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write them down. Uh, first. Number one is DC, so he is from the DC area, and he's very close with his family. He lost his father early in his life, and I think that matters to him a lot. His brothers and his mom, mm-hmm. um, Kirk Cousins, would be reason number two because he does not throw the ball when Stefan Diggs is wide open, and imagine what Stefan Diggs' numbers would have looked like the other day. He still caught seven passes for 102 or something, mm-hmm. but if Cousins had thrown it the times he was open, and the same goes for that Packers game, he would be one of the NFL's best Diggs receivers right now. Diggs had one catch in that Packers game. You start, some of that, too. Like I know there's a lot of truthers out there who still want to believe, and they say, oh, Diggs, you know, he, had, he was targeted seven times in that Packers game. One of them was thrown into into quadruple, quadruple coverage. coverage. Yes. The other one was thrown into double coverage in the end zone, which was a Hail Mary attempt, if you even want to call that. I'm not even going to give Hail I'm going to respect Hail Mary <laughs> and not even call it that. But, you know, people want to talk about the drops and things like that. Like, I just, I can't get behind that. I think that it really is more one side than saying Diggs think, is the fault and, here. And the one drop that he had was thrown way high. Mm-hmm. Now, he usually brings it in, but I mean... It wasn't a good throw anyway. So, all right, Cousins not targeting him enough or just being generally frustrating because I think that, uh, well, I'm going to get farther down here. Uh, number one status is another one for your pie chart. I mean, we've talked about this before that I think Diggs, when he looks at, he's a very smart guy, and when he looks at the numbers that are out there on the efficiency when you throw the ball to him, his contested catches, his route running success that everybody tracks because football, right? And he sees all that. He sees Matt Harmon does the reception perception thing where he tracks every route and the success rate for every route. And Diggs is always at the top. He sees his numbers against man coverage. He knows all this stuff and he sees the tape and he might believe, look, you know, I want to get that recognition and the second contract, which he will be still pretty young when that comes up. I want to get that second contract that says outrageous money like the top receivers get. And you're not getting that with a handful of catches in these first four games. So number one status, uh, Super Bowl. After the other day, anybody buying that the Vikings are a Super Bowl contender? I mean, if you can't go on the road and score more than 16 or you can't, you know, do anything but throw an interception at the end of a game against Green Bay, it's pretty hard to buy into the Super Bowl status and just the general offensive design based around Delvin Cook, which I'm sure no offense to Delvin's talent, but just probably strikes Stefan Diggs as being not the most 2019 thing to ever be done in football. Mm-hmm. So give me percentages on which one you would think would influence Del- uh, not Delvin Cook, uh, Stefan Diggs the most if he did want out of Minnesota. 
And while you do that, I'm just going to talk for a second. So, so I can you, do this while you focus. Yeah. I don't, I'm it, not even getting to the break, so I don't even like four. No, weeks. you're not getting the break. Oh, you got to do it on the fly. Fast. That's This is how this works. When we used to do podcast versions of this, there was no break. There was no break. You just had to figure it out I'm right on the fly. I'm a pro. I'm a pro. I got this. I, I just want to be on record saying it would be a terrible idea to trade away Stefan Diggs. You would be in much better shape going to him saying, what can we do for you to make this work offensively? How can we make sure that Kirk Cousins throws you the ball and makes this work? Because when Case Keenum was as good as he was, there's something that's been missing over the last two years with Case Keenum when he's been performing poorly in other places. Oh, it's Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. <laughs> and, of course, Pat Shermer, too. But two elite wide receivers are missing from Denver and Washington, whereas here uh, he had those two guys to throw it up to and give them a chance. But I also wonder if there's a fundamental issue as well or if all of this is entirely based on, and it's just how the NFL works sometimes, all of the people who are on Twitter and, and Reddit and all that talking about potential trades for Stefan Diggs are putting together the pieces that aren't actually there. Like he is obviously frustrated. We saw him frustrated even in training camp at times with Kirk Cousins, but he is an emotional player. He always has been an emotional player. And it's possible that when they lose, he burns hot, but um, that he doesn't want any part of this. Now, it is sort of worth looking into when he doesn't talk for two weeks and that's unusual behavior, but it might just be that he doesn't want to uh, say anything that people could read into further. Mm-hmm. Are you done yet? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not the greatest drawing, but the percentages add up. I checked. Okay. What, um, what do you got? Hold on. Talk amongst yourself. I just was. Okay. Give now me- now we, we need this pie chart. Okay. 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 It's, it's sorry. It, it's skewed. <laughs> the, the design is skewed. That's, um, the, that's not important. The percentages are what's important. All right, reasons that Stephon Diggs might be really upset with the way things are going for the Vikings. What do you think? My number one is Kirk not targeting him enough. Um, And a lot of that is not just what's gone on this season. Mm -hmm. Adam Thielen is the number one receiver in this offense. Mm -hmm. There is something to be said when you're watching back games and you're seeing the two of them lined up on opposite sides of the line of scrimmage running similar or very, you know, similar routes, same route depth, same route, whatever it is. That ball is going to Adam Thielen nine times out of ten. There is something about that. It's the chemistry. It's Kirk's guys, who he's comfortable with. So I think that in the knowing the limitations of his quarterback. I mean, you saw yeah. from the stuff that I posted of the dots yesterday uh, from Next Gen. You know, I know that there's some people who want to criticize and say, oh, well, you don't know where the safety is. You don't know what corner he had outside leverage, blah, blah, blah. I, I was sitting like, with an NFL quarterback who yes. hit me in the arm when he saw that play and said, did you see how yes. open Stephon Diggs was? And, so confirmed. And, and, and it's confirmed. Like, there are limitations here that I think both receivers are fully aware of. And that's got to be scary knowing, hey, like, I'm in my prime right now. Like, and this quarterback cannot get me the ball. He's not playing at a level where we can both do our jobs mm-hmm. at a high level. So I have that as 40%. That's my number one. Um, right behind that, at 30%, so it adds up to 70. I have 30 then job. To, okay. to work with, is the run first <laughs> offense. This is, this is an offense that Mike Zimmer wants because he wants his defense to get the credit and wants to win games with defense and have a conservative approach. That does not bode well for receivers in 2019 that is not going to benefit Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs I can't tell you how many fantasy questions I had come to me from January until you know 
a day ago, just but before really people realize that. So let's say January through August, people saying, hey, what's this new offense going to look like with Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski? Are they still going to be able to get Diggs his? Are they still going to be able to get Thielen his? What we found out is no, they're not. So I think the run-first mentality is kind of harmful if you're a receiver who is really, really good, more than just a third down or a possession guy. And Stefan Diggs is that. He's that and more. And I don't think that this formula... I mean, think about the receivers. Think about 2015, the year that they got to the NFC wildcard game. How did they win that season? Conservative approach. You're not having 2,000-yard receivers in that offense. You're having defense win you games. But throwing it up when you needed to. Throwing up when you needed to, but more times than not, a very conservative approach. I mean, yeah, Teddy was a, Teddy was able to do that, I think, in ways yeah. that... Diggs might. But you're, you're, you're 100% yeah. right. 2015, nobody was putting up huge, yes. huge, huge receiving. So, numbers. and I just don't think that the mentality that we have here, yes, Dalvin Cook is dynamic and they all appreciate that and they just want to win games, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to bode well for Diggs. So that's 30%. Behind that, I said number one status at 15%. He's a number one receiver. People I've yep. talked to around the league. Oh, no question. When you balance out Adam Thielen and mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs and say, who would you pick if you have to pick them? Like, who would you go with? Like, who is your guy, regardless of stats and the way that things play, have played out this season? Um, who would you pick? And the answer, most times, is Stephon Diggs. He's number one in any offense. Yep, absolutely. Most offenses. Even if you consider yes. it a lock, they're both number sure. ones. Yes, they are. But I think that you would go with Diggs more than anything if you had to choose between the two. Right? So, 15% there. Um, I said Washington, D.C., 10% which means that Super Bowl is 5%, because if you want to go to Washington, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Right. So, yeah. um, Some of these play off of each other. Yeah, so that those two, like it's kind of like one cancels out the other, so I put 10 and, 5, 10 and 5%. So yes, that does add up to 100%. I don't know if you're keeping track at home. Um, but yeah, I do think that the biggest thing here is Kirk Cousins. I'm he proud re- of you. Let me, let me see the picture. See, I couldn't really finish it no, because that's you not, messed it. You no, that's not bad, though. Messed it, looks, my it looks like you're pretty close to actually making a decent pie chart for the first time in the history of this show. Absolutely not. The Antonio Brown one of uh, his helmet. And oh, if we go back to mess. August 9th, 2019, the day that I made that, um, that was really good, actually. Mm, yeah. I so here's uh, I'll give you my percentages before the break, and then you have to pick the Vikings in the next segment. Oh, great. Pick the rest of the schedule and see where we end up. I have the offense... At 10%. I think the offensive design around Delvin Cook would be okay if that didn't mean Delvin Cook, if it didn't mean failure in the passing game. Like, well, that's what it means right now. That's how I interpret that. But the, the plays that they've designed have often worked towards Stephon Diggs and Thielen, and the throws haven't been made okay, in one fair. way or another. So I'm going to say that they would have been okay. Both receivers would have been okay with going down the field more and getting a thousand yards on 60 catches or 65 catches as opposed to a thousand yards on a hundred. Cause I think that's what Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak are going for. I think they would have been okay with that, but it's not working. So it's not necessarily the offense. It says not working. Uh, I actually went 25% Super Bowl because this team is so close, or at least they felt they were. So close going into these last two years, so close going into 2018, so close going into this year to repeating what they did in 2017 that I think it's on everyone's mind. I think it's the reason that a lot of guys came back and continued to play here like Anthony Barr. It's the reason that Daniel Hunter signed early. They looked at each other and said, we can really do this. We can really win a Super Bowl. And I I wouldn't preclude him from that. 
And I think that even in, I've seen him after games where he played well and they lost and he's been really upset. So I, I think that winning does matter to I, him. No, I do too. I just, if we were looking at it based on the DC thing, because those two play off each other in my opinion. Right. Yeah. That's a unless, disaster unless of a franchise. The, the, they are contradictory. I, yes. I understand. Um, but, Number one status, I'm going to put 20%. I think that's important, but if you had the Super Bowl and you had the offense that was working for him, yeah. I've, we've seen it before that and there were no get, issues. You can still get a big contract either way. When they Right. When they were winning, there were no issues in 2017 between who was the number one or anything else. I put Kirk at 25%. It might be all of it. I don't know. It's really super hard to say. I mean, some of these things play off of each other, mm-hmm. like the offense and, and Kirk. Kirk. Yeah. And then I put DC at 20 because that might be important to him. It's kind of like a lot of guesswork. All of this adds up to you could decide that you think from the outside that one thing is more important than the other, but we really don't have anything concrete from him and he's a guy that will just sort of decide he's not going to make things clear to us or not going to talk and we won't know you know like he would be the guy that wouldn't do the jalen ramsey thing yeah like well, i don't think i don't think the vikings would organize a press conference well, that's like true. that too that it's is disaster that's that was true. Down in jacksonville but don't you think he's don't you think if he gets traded or something we'll be like wow other than rumors we didn't see that coming or like no one i think it would hit anything. it would hit you hard in the face because like you brought up before I started charting, um, the Vikings would be, it would be the dumbest thing in the world for them to trade this guy away. And they are typically not a team that is very active at the trade deadline if they were seeking to do this on their own. Um, these trade deadlines, ah, what's October? Happy October. I just realized that. Um, it's, it's 29 days away or whatever. Yeah, it's October 29th. Yeah. Um, and you're not giving up talent off of a team that's trying to win. No. Usually. And I mean, Cap implications, is that what you're really looking for with that? Not with a player like Stephon Diggs, no, who is win. a generational talent, who's really, really good. Um, I realize I kind of just, like, he's elite. I won't call him generational, because that's that's probably a little bit hyperbole on my part. He's elite. He's a huge part of your offense when your offense is schemed around him uh, and schemed to actually you know use your receivers and not make them obsolete. But... I just have a really hard time believing that they would want to do this. So that's why I think the shock factor would be there because it'd be like, oh, this player was clearly that unhappy. And you know what that does? That speaks to the rest of the temperature of this locker room. Because he, if he's on his way out of here, you know that there are other guys who feel the same. So last thing, are there enough rumblings, we'll call them, out there? Because I don't want to attribute it to a specific reporter because there isn't an attribution to a specific reporter. But there's sort of like weird things that are being tweeted by some people and sent to me and and whatever. But I I don't have a specific source and neither do you and neither does Schefter or anybody else that there's any sort of trade request. So I want to make that clear as we discuss it. But do you think that there's enough rumbling where Stefan Diggs should this Wednesday go to the podium and say, guys, this is not what's really going on. There has been no trade request. I'm just trying to win like everybody else. And I feel like this is annoying speculation. Or does him tweeting out emojis and stuff like that just play into it? Well, I know I joked about this yesterday, like that, you know, watching Stefan Diggs' Instagram and his uh, Twitter, I feel like I'm back covering recruiting where recruits, 16, 17-year-olds, not <laughs> not 25-year-olds, are tweeting, 
subtweeting and just all these like really cryptic things. And I'm like, what does this mean? Does this mean that somebody pulled his offer at Alabama and he's going to flip his commitment? Like, that's what this is bringing me back to. It's giving me PTSD of that where I'm trying to decipher things. But I don't think you can look past the messages that he's putting out there on social media, whether it's an emoji of without the mouth or, you know, God's got a plan or things like that. And I don't think you can really look past what Adam Thielen is truly saying in the heat of the moment yeah. because um, that was raw emotion. That was real. And maybe he is he wasn't lying. And maybe he was right saying it wasn't directed at Kirk. It wasn't directed at speaking in general terms. But you're still frustrated. That's the bottom line here. Right. You're still frustrated with how things are playing out on offense. You can't ignore either of those signs. So to me... Also, how many times do we have to walk things back and then be like, no, guys, nothing to see here? Well... The whole thing, I, I'm going back to The house to isn't on fire. You're just seeing a lot of smoke. Well, I go back to Mike, Mike Zimmer. There were no trade rumors, none whatsoever, with Anthony Barr. And Mike Zimmer wanted to come out and address non-trade rumors. Mm-hmm. So if it took that much to make literally nothing into something, then you could argue, yeah, Diggs should. But I don't think he owes anybody anything at this point. I really don't, personally. And, I mean, of course, I'm a media member. You want to hear him talk. But if I'm Stefan Diggs, I'm like, I didn't put any of this stuff out there. I'm not perpetuating this. I'm going to be quiet and, and not say anything because it's just going to bring me more issues and a headache when it's already stressful here. So if he chooses not to speak, I can't fault him, and I understand it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, you are going to pick the remainder of the Minnesota Vikings schedule, and we will decide how many wins that they will have. You picked... I believe 11 and 5 before the season, 9 and 7 after week 2, and here we are going into week 5. We'll be right back. This is Purple Daily, Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Uh, I think he was, what, 27 out of 36. So so he completed a lot of balls. I think there were some times that he might have got rid of it a little bit too soon. But, uh, you know, when you're getting pounded a few times, you know, sometimes you you got to take the uh, quick throw. So I've been asked this question a couple of times, Courtney, before you pick the schedule. And Alex Boone is here in studio with That's us now, a little early. Just if a you're bit. not a half an hour early, you're a half an hour late. What, isn't something I like say, that? I think it goes like that. True story. Never late to a meeting in the history of my career. Good for you. you I mean, did you call corporate. guys out for being late? Are you serious? I would <laughs> rip you. Why do you think I'm not on a team right now? Because they would come in late. I just stared. I'm like, really? We'll just go on your time. You know what? You're right. Let's just restart this whole meeting for everybody. I it drove me nuts. That would drive me insane. I'm about timeliness. Yes, because that's discipline, and not mm-hmm. only that, but that's how you win. What's it, the easiest thing in life is showing up. On time. I think it's like 80% of success is showing up. 
You'd be surprised though how many guys right? like show up late and act like nothing's wrong. Like what? Oh, did I need to be here for that install? Oh my god! You'd be like, no way, he just said that. Yeah, and they are paying you for it too at that point. No I mean, it's literally your job. No Crazy big deal. Um, so if we're late to a press conference, you think Zim's stopping for us? Be like, oh, excuse me. Hey we guys, Courtney's not here. Let's <laughs> calm down, okay? Calm down. Let's not get this started yet. Can't we, talk about the boots. We have joked though that reporters, if you told us that on uh, you were holding a press conference for someone like in the middle of '94 in the road. In drive time, we'd go stand out in the middle of the road. Probably drive would. Time. We're just like that's how we work. We're like, oh, okay, that's where the press conference is. We'll just wander out there with our recorders, like. Yeah, like yeah, right. <laughs> we are. There. We are cattle. There, there was a, a hockey player who once referred to the standing reporters as pigeons, and I was like, damn it, I have no comeback for that. It's true. Like, I got nothing. That is exactly how I feel. Throw bread at but us. This is a good fault. humor about it. I mean, there's some, there's some they guys do that with don't. pizza. Like they're like, oh, this pizza. They're like, oh well, I guess we'll just wander over there and get some. <laughs> wander Damn over. it, we are. Uh, but anyway, at least they pay us to be pigeons too. So you're going to pick the Vikings. Alex is going to analyze your picks, mm-hmm. and then we're going to get into the offensive line oh, and plenty more uh, that is going on with the Minnesota Vikings. And I saw your notebook of notes, and um, it's incredible. So listen. Yeah. These are some of these notebooks are actually notebooks from when I played. Really? Wow. Really? I'm very meticulous about the notes I used to take. And so every now and then I'll go back and look at them. And they're actually really funny. Like, they're pretty funny. Like, old schemes and, like, G-Rose type stuff. And, like, all these old offensive coordinators that just used to have these wacky plays. I used to look at them and be like, what the hell was he thinking? How did we think that this was going to work? I said, my wife will look at it, too. Like, what is that? It looks like a bunch of gibberish. I'm like, it is. We, we were idiots for thinking it would work. All right, Jonathan, ramp up some uh, NFL music for us here so we can have an ambiance for Courtney to pick the rest of the schedule. It's uh, two and two so far, which I think you probably were in that ballpark of picking. uh, I definitely picked a three and one um, or two and two, probably. Yeah, I think it was three and one after this because I thought Antonio Brown was going to be on the Raiders last time I picked. That is true. Okay, so the Vikings travel to New York to face Danny Dimes. Hmm. You like that nickname? No. I love it. Really? I think it is so much. I like how he's playing. Danny, I like how, how he's show playing up in for sure. though. That was funny. You can't tell me Danny Dimes and then you show up yeah. looking like you're like Jim Harbaugh's little yeah. kid. Like, <laughs> you're not ready to roll. Dude, That's that was good. the greatest. He was like, please, I don't know which way to walk. <laughs> <laughs> I will go ahead and say that this is going to be a win. Okay. I think that while, while I don't think the run game is going to automatically ignite here, even though you are going against the bottom half run defense... This is one of those situations. We know Kirk is good for a bounce-back game every so often. Um, They played pretty well at the Meadowlands last year. And how did they do that? It was pretty bad on third down. They went like over 11 to start that game, carrying over from... Running the ball with Latavius Murray. Yeah, running the ball. So I think eventually they'll be able to kind of get them to crack down on that. But I will go ahead and say... This is the confidence game that Kirk needs. I think it's must-win. If you're looking at a must-win situation of what's going to propel you up until that Week 8 game, which I kind of consider the mini-buy anyways against um, the Redskins, if you lose here... Mini-buy. I I didn't know. Brutal. That is so true, though. I love it. I I now understand the double entendre that I just threw in there. I meant just from the sense that it's a Thursday night game, which I always consider a mini-buy week because on the other side of that... That's definitely a double-buy. That's definitely a double-buy. Triple-buy. But I'll go ahead and say they're going to beat the Giants this week, so then that puts them back at 3-2. and The uh, Philadelphia Eagles at U.S. Bank Stadium. I'm not switching my pick on this. They're going to lose that game. All right. Philly looks pretty good against Green Bay. At 
Detroit. Detroit. Maybe tougher than we Lost. originally thought. Ooh, Green four. Hell there. Um, well, I think I know what you're going to go with with Washington, as you just stated. I'm just going to write that down and not even ask. Four and four going into the mini buy. <laughs> um, and now comes the hard part. At Kansas City. Loss. Did you see the stat about the thing with the grass? Silly stats. What was it? You better learn to love stats. Stats are for losers. Look, these guys, I'm you, be very these guys careful. in this room. It's like the stat I heard the other day. Do you know this is the first time that he's played in a dump? Who cares? Who really <laughs> yeah, cares? They you did think blow he that woke up, up like, hey, you know what, guys? Okay, We're good today. There's no breeze. See, no, it's no, no, going to no. be a great day. Here's where, here's where you've got this mixed up. That's a factoid. That There's a big difference factoid. between <laughs> statistics But people and were like talking about how like, this is how like things get hyped up for no reason. It's and it's like, oh, God. The grass. There's something wrong with the grass here. All right. So here's my factoid that was on Twitter today. Since 2016, so this is partly your fault, Alex. The uh, Vikings are 0-12-1 outdoors against opponents with winning records. That is the dumbest stat Sometimes ever. those factoid. stats are so convoluted they make my head want to explode. Because it's like there's, you're, you're picking up too many factors. The, the point is that. that they are going to be outdoors on grass against the winning team on November 3rd. And you're picking them for a loss. Uh, November 10th against Dallas. Jerry World. Jerry World. Cowboys played the Saints pretty close. That defense is really good. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a loss, too. I think the Dallas defense this year is probably the best it's been, what, in the last five, ten years? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. All right, four and six. All right now. Wow. Mm. Broncos win, so we're back to five and six. Where's Uh, the Broncos game at? It's home. It's home. On, if it, uh, if it wasn't, though, it would be on grass, yeah, but it would be against the losing team, so that's different. Um, then there's the actual Okay, I've got a theory here, though, before you go the rest of the way, that one of these games that we're just giving them for sure is the meltdown game. Could be, like, could it, be the Broncos game. Philly. It could be this week. But Philly's good. I mean, if they lost Philly, it could be this week. It could I'm, be. I'm saying against... New York, Washington, or Denver. I'm telling One you, of yes. those is an L. That's right? why I keep looking at you at these like certain games. Like, dude, this is a this is a this is a trap game. Danny Dimes, that's a trap game. Vic Fangio, hey, listen, guys, we're gonna get back on track this week. This guy's a rookie. Did you see what he just did to two teams? And the same yeah, two teams thought good. the same two things. Hey, listen, this guy's a rookie. So you've got them at four and six going into the bye. No, five and six. Cause five of the Broncos. And six. Oh, because the Broncos. The, the, yeah, so week five twelve bye. Coming I mean, out of that, they go to Seattle. What is the feeling if they're five and six going to Seattle? Oh boy, that I mean, it's not good. And that's a night game, right? Yeah, it's Monday it night. Monday football. night. Mm-hmm. Uh, in which second year in a row. Factoid night night for you, Frando. Here we go. Uh, Kirk Cousins never won on Monday night. He's zero oh, and seven. Give Mizell right there. I'm gonna go with Alex uh, on that. I'll go ahead and say it's a loss. Give Mizell. So, so now they're five and seven. Home against Detroit. Is someone fired at this point? For I sure. Mean, oh, well, every, there's, there's a change in play caller. We'll see, by this point, well, yeah, here's a you question. Your bold prediction Who gets fired, back? though? I, I, Which, I mean, you, are we like, hey, old timer, it's time to pack it up, or are we like, listen, we're going to just blame it on the young guy? I think you can't play that card two years in a row, right? Yeah, I mean, you, so you think Zimmer would be who, gone if they're five and seven by it. that point? Yeah. I think it depends on who so plays it. it does, who does Zimmer have to run it by to fire Kevin Stefanski? Uh, I, the general manager yeah, in ownership. Got, and then I think all of a sudden ownership turns around and goes, wait a minute, you're going too low. We're going to start a little bit higher. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're going to tell us that it was yeah. two offensive coordinators' like, faults? Or actually the guy's actually wanted. doing exactly right. what you said. By the way, you have one of the best running backs, and you still didn't get it And I'm sorry to interrupt your picking of the team, but I my theory this year, my way of looking at this is this is a Mike Zimmer offense. 
He designed this. He told Stefanski what he wanted. He got Gary. They got together. He told them exactly how he wanted it. He fired the offensive coordinator before because he wasn't doing what Mike Zimmer wanted him to do. So he is now responsible. Like with Shermer, I looked at Shermer as, well, he's the offensive head coach and Zimmer's the Mm -hmm. defensive head coach. So Zimmer isn't really responsible. Now, I think Zimmer's responsible for the offense as much as the defense. Well, why do you think Kevin Stefanski has lasted in one place for 13 years? That's, I'm not going to go out there on a limb yeah. and say call him a company man, but that is following That's does, following does exactly do, every right. head coach has asked you to do. You got your shot. You don't want to blow it, so you're going to go ahead and create the Mike Zimmer offense. And at some point, I'm just kind of wondering what Gary's thinking about all this because he can fix things. And we didn't have probably, Gary Cam this week. We didn't. So we and I, was, I was very distraught by that. Um, what? In we the, have Gary we Cam. We can see him in the press box, so she has the binoculars and it looks for Gary Kubiak reactions, of which there aren't any. There are no reactions, which is the best reaction. Yeah, just which is great, though, probably. He's a G. Like he, he's been doing this forever. Right, yeah. like, or is he just straight-faced because he's like, well, I didn't call that boy. Or he knows Courtney's watching. <laughs> one or, one or, one or the other. I bet they have Gary Cam. Great <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, so Detroit. Six and seven, because I've said earlier this year that they will split with the Lions. Okay. Um, I still think the Lions have the best secondary in football. I don't know if they will at that point. I'm not going that far in the weeds, but they'll be six and seven at this point. Uh, so wait, at, is that a loss or a win? That's a that win. is a win. That's a win. Uh, at, at Chargers, Los um, Angeles, in the soccer stadium. In the soccer stadium, if they're still injured the way they are, if they're still playing the way they are, I'll go ahead and say they get back to 500, okay. 7 and 7. I'm looking forward to that game. Los Angeles in the middle of December. Nice. Uh, home for the final two Green Bay and Chicago. Mm. What happens here? You got 7 well, and 7. The best, I mean, the best you can do is finish 9 and 7 at this point. Do I think they will? No. Are you going to go eight and eight? I'm going eight and eight. And I don't. Can I just? I'll just chalk it up as a. I'll just put I think they there. beat. I think they beat Green Bay because Rodgers is washed, and then lose to Chicago again. I think eventually, <laughs> like we talked about all season, the lack of weapons is going to kill him at some point. Like he, he, what he's doing offensively is not sustainable. That offense is not sustainable in Green Bay. So yeah. by that point in the season, week sixteen, they're worn down. Eight and eight, and that is a missed playoff. Appearance. Yeah, if you think that I didn't text Alex after Rogers threw that late game pick oh, and yeah. say washed, you would washed. be wrong. I absolutely did. Uh, all right, thank you, Jonathan, for the uh, the the vibe music. So, what do we think? Eight and eight. What does that mean? Jobs. Does it mean jobs? Yeah, for sure. Think so? Absolutely. You spent way too much money in the wrong position. Not in the wrong position, but on the wrong player in the position that needs to get you the farthest. You've got all your defensive players. That's not the problem. I mean. What happened last week, yeah, that's going to be a problem eventually going down the line because all they really did was just kind of beat them up a little bit, and then they took their shots when they needed to. They knew the right opportunities, and they were like, hey, listen, let's do it now. But I think when you're looking at this, you say, hey, who paid this guy and why? Like, whose idea was this to do this? And why did we let Casey go? Why did we let a lot of people go? Well, isn't that in, in reality, that should boil down to one person, and that's not necessarily Mike Zimmer. That's Rick Spielman. Like, let's think this track record through. He's been here since 06. He gets the reins to become the general manager about six years later. The quarterback position has been one that has evaded him his entire career. Even going back to Miami, he's never been able to get it right. Yeah. And mitigating circumstances with your quarterback basically losing his leg on you in 2016, you can't, you know, you can't predict that that stuff's going to happen. No. But you had a chance here to to get it right, to to right the ship, to to finally get a franchise quarterback because you haven't had that type of stability in more than a decade here. Which I would consider calling Brett Favre. Would you agree with that? Would you? That last time they had stability was for, Brett. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. For yeah, a year? Two, year. I mean, yeah. 
besides Teddy, but that was such yeah. a bizarre situation. Right. I mean, yeah. assuming that doesn't happen, Teddy's still here. Sure. I mean, we're not even... Oh, there's, yeah, there's no question I mean, I don't about think it. there's anything question And they're about in the playoffs, actually. Right, and so the, you're right. And that, to me, just shows there's... I know their contracts are synced up, and they've done this for a reason from the ownership perspective, oh, yeah. but if there's someone who... If we're looking to find who's where the blood is on whose hands, I think that Rick Spielman in this situation probably has a higher chance of getting fired if they're eight and eight than Mike Zimmer because Zimmer can turn around and say, "Wasn't my quarterback choice mm. to begin with?" He can play that card all he wants, uh, and he can also say, "Look what my defense did. Look at what my defense has done routinely over the last six seasons." So I would agree with you on Zimmer having an out on this if he hadn't gone so far out of his way to blame everyone else for the offense and then redesign it himself, mm-hmm. essentially. If he hadn't fired John Filippo last year and say John Filippo's still here and tried to solve some of those Kirk Cousins issues and tried to solve the running game problems, which he seems to have done okay running the ball in Jacksonville, but mm-hmm. I guess that's another story. Um, but, I mean, if it was still John Filippo and they hadn't fired him and they had said, look, it just didn't go the way we wanted and they still did the same things, they got him Irv Smith, they got him Madison, they got him... Well, a, they got him all the players that he linemen. initially wanted in 2018, right, just a year late. Well, let's say they did that, and then it didn't work again. Then Zimmer would be able to be like, oh, man, darn Filippo." Yeah. But now, after you fire him, and you say, no, no, we're going to make this our identity, then, it's, then you're responsible. Right. So if the offense is the reason you lose, still on you. I agree with that, because he did. I mean, I had a good conversation. I wrote something on uh, Brad Childress and Kevin Stefanski for this past week, and just kind of the ties, and they faced, faced each other, air quotes, in Chicago, because that's where Brad is now. And he made a really good point, and my wheels were turning, just thinking he was an offensive coach. When he got here in 2006, he got Mike Tomlin and said, you handle this side of the room. Right. You handle the side of the ball. I'm going to handle mine. Mike Zimmer has always said in theory that that was his approach. Totally what has he not, done? Though. He's opened the door to the other room and walked in. It's like the conjoining hotel rooms. He's knocked on that like side door <laughs> yeah, of the open right, up, yeah. and he's gone in. And he shouldn't have. And this is kind of what we're seeing here. The, the byproduct of that, the byproduct of not just the quarterback, but the scheme itself, this scheme can't protect Kirk Cousins. His pressure rate is up more now than it was a year ago at this point. And I just think that Spielman, at the end of the day, if we're looking at like finger pointing and where the blame lies, it's going to go with him first just because he's been around, he's been around this, had so many, like I guess, misfirings at this position, trying to get it right, and it hasn't worked. And I do think that Zimmer certainly would be at fault at that point. I just can't, I mean, to, to clean house entirely, I don't know, maybe I'm a skeptic. I just find that that's so, at least four games in, hard for me to go there. we got to take a break, but I want you, Alex, to react to what she said about Zimmer involving himself with the offense. Yeah. Uh, having been Absolutely. in that circumstance. When we return, we'll take a quick break and we'll get your response. And then I want to go through this notebook of yours about what in the world happened on the offensive line oh. on Sunday. And I'm sorry for that. <laughs> sorry to you. What are you sorry to me for? I'm not playing. Well, but you you even know what's going wrong, like in oh, yeah. detail. Oh, it was it was it was fun. It's a nightmare. Yeah. All right, we'll be uh, right back. You're listening to Purple Daily with Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, Alex Boone on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated? Standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download, and we had, uh, well, Caller presented the hottest quarterback take from yesterday, and it was, would you rather have Keenum over Cousins? Well, I think we have, we might have a hotter one, Caller. This from The Ringer, Chris Long and Ryan Rosillo. Okay, irresponsible question of the week. Would you rather have Haskins than Cousins? With, I don't like watching Cousins right play now, football. I don't like watching Cousins play. I don't I think said. Vikings do either. I mean... This is one thing I was really wrong about. I was really high on them. And I said, I think I said something to the effect of whatever you know about Kirk Cousins, just it goes out the window. When Dalvin Cook can't pick up yards on the ground, he has to win a game for them. And and you don't see he's one of the worst under pressure in the league. That was Chris Long, former Eagle, former NFL player, now retired. He was joining Ryan Rosillo on the Ringers Podcast Network. That's been your score with Donald. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, we are back here on Purple Daily. Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin, and uh, this time I will break a streak of forgetting teases by remembering what it was that we were going to talk about. Uh Uh, You, Alex Boone, were going to react to what Courtney Cronin said about Mike Zimmer involving himself. A great metaphor, actually, of uh, Zimmer going through the wrong hotel. or The the conjoined rooms. The conjoined rooms. That was great. That was such a great analogy, though. I really enjoyed it. I'm good at those. Journalism school. My biggest thing is when you turn around and you look at teams and you're like, hey, listen, where would I want to go, coach? I'm surprised that some of the best offensive minds aren't like, hey, listen. I'm going to go to Minnesota because they got the best defense, and I'm going to take over this offense. And yeah, my quarterback might not be able to throw the ball and sit back there forever, but I'm smart enough that I know how to use that, and I can make that work. Why hasn't he had anyone stop? Why is it the guy that's been here for 13 years that's been a running backs coach, and then he was a quarterbacks coach, and then all of a sudden now he can coach tight ends, and then the old line? I mean, I just don't see why nobody wants to be here. And when you st- take a step back and look, it's because he's always meddling in the offense. We need to run the ball more. We need to run the ball more. Listen, Mike, there, that's great. We all want to run the ball. Okay, we all do. It makes the game go really fast. And it makes us all have a lot of fun because you're just kicking people's teeth in the whole game. But when you're constantly doing that, teams are like, well, this is, you've made this one-dimensional now. Now you've made this really easy. Instead of talking about what you want to do on offense, why don't you let your offensive coordinator talk about it? Because you don't hear about some of the great defensive coaches that were like, and by the way, I told him to call that uh, 362 uh, angel route and uh, third down, and we got it. I mean, you just don't hear stuff like that. Uh, I hope Declan and Jonathan. Three sixty-two. You better believe it. That is a third. Oh my god! That is end. That better. That better show up. Is that from Norv's three-digit system? Dude, do you know the three-digit system? What does three digits tell you? Tells you. I don't know. On the three digits, part of the it's like Air Coryell, right? They say that right. Coryell, like that's part of that offense, and it's supposed to tell you the route. The What's the other one here? So like it was like it would tell you the steps. So three steps would three you know three sixty two would say three steps at a sixty two protection. You know five. Uh, we used to have a five step protection. It would be like five thirty eight. Like we had a bunch of them, and it would just. So that is from North system. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And it was because the guys up front, some of them weren't always the smartest, so they'd be like, "Hey, which way is the running back going again?" <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's a full slide to the left. Thanks for telling the old defense. God. <laughs> See, that's weird because I think the offensive line play has been fine here I, over the last Fantastic. Years, I don't know uh, what you guys are talking about. But and I think I, you're right. I think you are absolutely right that he's made such a spectacle out of himself. Like, hey, listen, we're going to do this this year. We're going to run the ball. Now, listen, everybody I guarantee you was behind the scenes like, Mike, shut up. Shut up. The threat of Kirk throwing can still go past four weeks. Now it can't. Now it's like, okay, well, now I dare you to throw the ball against me. Do you think that they said too much about what they wanted yes. to do this year? Yes. I mean, it was. It went back to the days when I was with Mike Singletary, and Mike was like, I'm getting ready to play Atlanta one year, and they had a really good defense, and, and we had a mediocre offense. And he was like, 
I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to go out there, and we're going to tell him we're going to run power four times in a row. Somebody looks at him and goes, don't do that, Mike. Don't do that. He goes, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. And it was like, dude, listen, there's some advantages you have to being on the offense. Number one, you know the snap count, which is always great. Number two, you know the play. And they don't. So don't tell them the play ever. And if you can ever disguise a play, do that for us too, please. And I think it was clear even from week two with Green Bay that when you tell everyone, yeah, we're running Kubiak's offense with all these play actions, they're like, okay, well, that's where we're going to start. Right. I mean, not not that they wouldn't have known that anyway, but they really telegraphed what they were going to do and they've stuck to it. And I think that the better opponents, the not Raiders and not Falcons, who look like they're trash, trash. Uh, they've had game plans for it. So let's, let's take a break and I want to get into the offensive line play because this just seems like... Like it will never stop being a story of the offensive line play. And we were talking about who's responsible for Cousins. Well, who's responsible for the fact that they still cannot block? Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin, Matthew Collar will be right back on Purple Daily. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> Overpowered us a few times. You know, some of them were max protection things, and some were others. So we need to do a better job. We didn't do a good enough job on our sets. They had some real wide technique, twelve techniques out there, and we kind of turned and went out to them, turned too soon, and so we need to just clean up some of the techniques there. Okay, how many techniques are there? I mean, I remember I, how big he was, was on nine, like the wide nine, like against really Miami. There was not like now we're pushing it to twelve. 12. That is true. There can be a 12 technique. Okay. A nine is officially the widest as it'll go. But if somebody were to say 12, in my mind, it would register as a, a like, I would totally get what they're saying. Like, dude, he was a 12 technique. But God, that sucks. But I know he did not just break down that offensive line play. Like, they were turning well, too much. I, I have a, uh, I have <laughs> we a, were holding too much. Too. I have a philosophical question for both of you. you you've heard the, um, the tree in the forest, right? Yeah. Like, it, if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone, and no one hears it, did it really make a sound? You've all heard No this one before? was there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't make a sound. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. So I, I've got one for you guys. Right. If it's Max Protect, but mm-hmm. Kyle Rudolph is blocking, is it really Max no, Protect? No, it's not. It turns into <laughs> oh. just a regular like 62. So I, I want to ask you you both, Courtney Crone and Alex Boone in studio here, um, what is to be done with the offensive line? You've got a whole notebook, Alex, full of things I know, right? that you noticed on Sunday. But, I mean, as we go forward here, there are other teams who also have players who are good at football on defense, right, right. and I don't know how they're going to stop them, especially now in 2016, you guys couldn't stop anybody either. But Easy. Sam Bradford, you know it's true, yep. threw the ball. He got rid of the ball quickly. This quarterback does not. I know. I, so give me right. answers here. No, and I think that that's one of the things that you say, how did we get him to get rid of the ball? Like we got to I'm looking at this game this week and I'm like, man, I get it. It's New York. It's in New York. That doesn't scare me. I mean, they're not really big fans. Their crowd's not crazy. But I see an offense that could somewhat look like this last offense that beat this defense. And it's just quick throws and, hey, let's just keep running the rock as much as we can. And let's throw everything we can at him. And we're going to run the ball as fast as we can. We're going to try and get the playmakers the ball. Oh, hey, by the way, Golden Tate's back. One of our more physical receivers who, by the way, likes to jaw, chirp, fight, swing a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of guy we need for this week. I don't think that their defense is stellar by any stretch. Like, Janoris Jenkins is still trash in my mind. I think that when you catch a ball that Vernon Davis doesn't want to catch and it bounces off his face and you catch it, that's you're just in the right place at the right time. I I got you, dude. 
But nothing really scares me, but the fact that they have this momentum going, right? All of a sudden it starts to say, man, they've won two games in a row. I wonder what their locker room is. And not only that, you turn around and look at our locker room. We just lost to Chicago against the backup quarterback. Yeah. So what is our locker room saying right now? Hey, listen, guys, we really need to step it up this week because after this week we're, we're playing a really good team that doesn't have a back end, but their front seven is ferocious. Right, right. And that's where the concern would really be right. is... Philadelphia and bringing this offensive line against Philadelphia's defensive line, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, a number of great players. Which way do you slide? Um, I mean, Rudolph, they, hey, we might have to undress you this week. And, We're going to have to pull somebody other tight ends to chip. And the guy that they used the first round pick that was traded for Sam Bradford, yeah. also Derek Barnett, is quite good. So, Courtney, what is the answer here? I mean, people have asked me, should they bench Garrett Bradbury? I don't think that that's crazy at all. Well, I mean, Bradbury has not been good. 13 pressures, one sack in four games. For a center, that should just never happen. Most of the time, you're just helping. He's too little. You're in the middle. I know. he's. But they're smart. Has anyone noticed how defenses are starting to play all these teams? Like, all these new teams. Another team I'm looking at right now is, like, the Rams. The Rams offensive line and this offensive line have a lot in common, right? Like, your your left tackles are really old. One of them kind of shows up. One of them doesn't. You're looking at the centers, they're young. All these young centers, defenses are going, hey, listen, let's just put five up there. Yeah. They automatically, yep. no offensive line, no anybody is going to let a linebacker walk up in the center and go, that's not our guy. Like this guy right here that's a total threat up the middle is not our guy. No offensive line coach can let you do that. They, they automatically go, hey, listen, throw the hand up, show them 5 0, popo, whatever you want to say, and then everybody's on an island. And then they're saying, hey, listen, you don't even have to come. Just stand there. Did you notice in the come on, man? Did you see the one against Detroit yeah, where, where the guy just up, walked yeah. up? Because the threat of him even being there, the center's like, God, i got to stay right here. I have to stay because right here. Because the center's here. not anticipating that the quarterback's going to call him out and say, that's my guy, I've got that protection. There's like, no chance a quarterback's going to be like, that guy up the middle, you leave him to me. Like, no quarterback in there. Because they, in their mind, they're thinking, man, that's two steps away from getting flattened. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. And that's a quick, fl- like, Diggs, if you don't run this route to complete perfection, I'm getting smoked. And you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And you can't sit there and go, well, now you need to keep your backs in because now the defense is going, well, now we're just going to rush one more. And now all of a sudden we're going to chip guys. Well, now we're just going to keep adding guys on to rush. And we got all these pass rushers, so we're just going to keep throwing them at you. Let's go. And the funny thing is, like when you bring talking about that, where you know teams do use standard four-man rushes, and that really yeah. did get to Kirk Cousins a lot. I think five of the sacks? Yeah. Uh, four of the six sacks were off a of standard four-man rush. Think about what happened on that would-be touchdown, the 37-yard pass that like just just out of Thielen's reach when he oh. overthrew it. It's six guys in the box on that. I know. Like that to me is just I'm baffled at that because we talked about like people want to blame the offensive line for what happened and yeah, there were a lot of issues with protections, but that's on Cousins. Yeah. Like especially with the type of protection that he sees in front of him and just the number of guys that they're not sending in. Right. I wish he could just take like a chill pill. Like I wish he could, in his mind, be like, "Hey, listen, I got really good protection right now. Let me make a good read." Instead of being back there, like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, who's coming first? Who's going to hit me first? Because you know that's what he's thinking back there. Like, I got to get rid of this ball right now, right now. Too late, gotta go. And that makes him play slower. Like it, he's getting rid of the ball slower. I think because of all those things going through his head. He's had time. I think it takes his reads through his mind faster, so he doesn't give them time to develop. Even when he has good time to sit mm-hmm. back there, he's not like, "Hey, Diggs needs one more second." He's thinking, "My left tackle just got me plastered. I don't want to get plastered again by Khalil. Now I'm going to go here. Now I'm going to go here. Now I'm out of options because I can't go back in order. Like I can't just go look back. Right. I got to go, and then I'm gone, dude." And that's how you end up with a check down to the fullback. Every time. When, Dude, CJ Ham's going to be like the number one <laughs> threat on like, this team. He played nine snaps. 
It's incredible. Like, that's the thing. Four targets four on targets nine, nine snaps. snaps. And like, I know we're talking about like this past game target a lot. percentage in history. But don't you think they abandoned the run a little early? Um, yeah, 14 considering that they, that they weren't down that much. You're down two scores the whole game, not even. That same, it's same thing played out, exact same scenario last year where yeah. they abandoned it after the second quarter. And that's one thing I was, I was curious to get your take on this because it didn't look like they were trying to force things outside. No. I know Mike Zimmer said yesterday, yeah, we had some outside runs in there. Well, what happened? Like, oh, I know exactly you know, what happened. <laughs> some guys weren't getting to the linebacker because I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. I'm like, man. Who is stopping Dalvin Cook right now? So all these wide zone plays, I go back, rewatch them, looking. All right, so who's his center call? Center's got his mic. So the next guy's the right guards. The next guy after that's the left guards. Okay. All of a sudden, two guys just filling every single hole, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, wait a minute. If a man's got nowhere to go, and if you can't get somebody to step up and then cut, which is where you would need mm-hmm. a tight end to start blocking, or you would need a you know another outside because they kept doing that. We used to call it like a deuce formation. Anything with a D and head in front, deuce dot. Um, stuff like that was two by two automatic. So they ran a lot of that deuce formation and it was a uh, one tight end on the ball, one off the ball and they kept running zone, but they kept getting stuffed. And what they should have done was said, Hey, you know what? We're going to flip it. We're going to go the other way. Let's go weak zone. Let's let's got all the stragglers and all the party guests. You go sit on the right side with Rudolph, and we're going to run the ball to the left. And yeah, you know what? Maybe Khalil Mack's going to be there, and maybe our left tackle could maybe just once block him, and we could have our running back just run through somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, was it you that said tight ends bring the, bring the guests guys to the party? Guests. Always, baby. Yeah, that's great. Well, what well, and, what is it about? Just to follow up on that, the the left side of the offensive line from Bradbury on, like. That's the part that struggled the most. Like, what do yeah. you, what do you, tra- I mean, you're talking about Reef right there. Oh, no, he's, he's looked awful this it, year. It's bad. I mean, it's to the point to where you're not even getting a kick. And that was always like, you know, when you're talking about offensive line play, the one thing you have to always utilize is the snap count. Like, you always have to be ready to go. Like, I used to hate guys that would be like, man, I'm laid out of my stance. I'm like, why? How were you late? How do you not know the snap? Right. A lot of the best left tackles look like they're offside. Dude, they look like they are with the ball. As right. soon as that ball starts moving, Bakhtiari, they're Bakhtiari, that's his thing. Bakhtiari, Tyron Smith, Joe Staley. I mean, they make it look good, right? Mm-hmm. And then you talk about guys that are just laid off the ball. Like, Dude, that is such a simple thing. What are you doing? He doesn't even get to the point to where he can get one full kick because he's so slow out of his stance that he's already open by the time. And then once you do that, you have lost all your power. If you open up to a rush, especially to a, a he-man like the guy we just saw, yeah, I mean, you open up your chest to that, you're asking for trouble. That was ridiculous. Now, how do they answer any of these problems? And, well, let me move on to the next point of it, because I don't think there is a, an easy answer, right? There is no, like, well, if they only do this, 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 and this, right? No, there is. I mean, you just you have to be more creative. They're, you're looking at this offense. You look at these, like, Matt Nagy offenses, right? And it, to me, they're always so fun. Every time they break the huddle, because I'm like, where's Tariq Cohen going to be this time, mm-hmm. right? And to me, it's always a number system, because when we used to play, we used to have running backs, and when they would line up outside, we would have a number system. So from the far left, you'd be a one, and then if you were in the slot, you'd be a two. If you were in the, by the tight end, you were three, and then the other side of the ball was four, five, six. So it's always like, where's he going to be? And then most of the time, he's like a two or a four. But every now and then, you'll see him like over here by the tight ends, and it's like super exciting. And then all of a sudden, he'll do a quick motion, and you like you lose control. Like, what is this play? Oh, it's a zone. But it's so creative, and it's yeah. so like, oh yeah. my god, you need to start doing more of that. You can't just be like, hey, we're going to line up in the eye and kick your face in. Sorry, dude. We tried that for four weeks. It didn't work. Now we got to change it up. If they had the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, I think it'd be working great. <laughs> Way different. 
Isn't that the same with every team, though? Oh, well, sure, but I mean, I mean, like you're saying, like lining up just straight and running down your throat, this isn't going to work with this offensive line for a full season. Right. And really, even in Green Bay, it didn't work super great for most of the game. He it got one cutback one lane, right. Right. 75-yard touchdown. Well, okay, let me ask you guys this, Courtney. Uh, Rick Spielman, building an offensive line. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the signings that didn't work out perfectly. I'm not looking at anyone in the studio while I say this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know nobody wants it. No, you don't. Uh, I'll wait another couple weeks. All right, okay. I'll just uh, I'm go. move quickly past that. But okay. this offensive line right now, we, we always get, oh, why don't they invest? Why don't they invest? Yeah. Why don't they invest? It's hard. On the left tackle, you have a $54 million player. The left guard, you have a draft pick. The center, you have a very high draft pick. The right guard, you have a $10 million guaranteed player. And the right tackle, you have a second-round draft pick. And yet, they're rated by PFF the third worst. And as Alex would tell you, you didn't necessarily need PFF to help you with that one. Mm-hmm. Why can they not build an offensive line? That I mean, that's such a tough. To, that's so tough to say because nowadays they're not pushing guys out like they used to. There aren't Matt Slossons that want to go out and just eat your soul. I mean, it's just not happening anymore. These guys come in and they're like, "What's a huddle?" <laughs> You're like, no way he just said that. You cannot be serious with this. They're like, where do I stand in the huddle? Oh, my God. Somebody put something through my eye, just a knife. Because they're like, we came from a college that they would hold up blue, and that meant power. Right. Well, which way? I don't know. The quarterback would tell us. Like, dude, oh, my God. You don't even know which way you would line up without knowing which way you were going. That would drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like wide receivers who don't know what a route tree is mm-hmm. when they get to the pros. We wouldn't know anything about that. We wouldn't know, anything no, about no, we would know nothing about that. Uh, well, what, what do you think, Courtney, in terms of the front office's failure to build an offensive line that can pass. Well, think about here, like the scheme that they wanted to run. So they bring Gary in, saying, okay, outside zone. That's what Gary's known for. We're going to find the players that fit that. And so they get an athletic guy like Garrett Bradbury, but they know he's too small. Like that's, that was always the thing that like, when you look back at when they drafted Pat Elfline, I don't know exactly. I mean, it sounded like Sperano kind of wanted to mix fronts and he wanted to use a bunch of different blocking schemes. And it wasn't, it was kind of a hodgepodge, right? I mean, you were there at the beginning of that. So yeah. it was, that was, that is that kind of what that felt like? A little bit though, but that was because we had AP, we had Jet, we had a lot of different guys in the backfield that we could use. Like, you know, when you use AP, you're like, dude, ISO, power, all this fun stuff, but he can also do the zone. Jet was like our zone guy. We had a ton of backs back there. And so it was like, hey, let's do what we're good at. And, you're right. It was a little bit of a hodgepodge, and it kind of mucked some things up because you were worried about so many different mm-hmm. things and so many different schemes. And you're like, wait a minute. Did he say we're trioing this this week? Because like last week we were, and now we're not. Now I don't know, and you're in the middle of the game. And sometimes that would mess you up, but you're right. When you talk about Garrett Bradbury, and we talked about this before, when you're in the North, you know you're playing some stout defenses. Yeah. Like these defenses now are for real. Especially like the like the nose tackles yes. and the defensive tackles, your Big three boys. techniques, all that. And you go out and draft the smallest, tiniest guy like, hey, you are going to control the North. Not a chance. Because he played well against Clemson. Because he ran an outside zone scheme in college. There's right. a million yeah. reasons right. to think why they thought it was a good idea because in theory, on paper, it's the right fit, right? right? Like, right. I mean, it looks good. Looks good. Same, they said the same thing about Brian O'Neill last year. I mean, it took him a little bit. Of, I mean, he came along much quicker than most Brian's people great. thought. And he's fantastic right now. He's the best offensive lineman that they have. Easy. But even. Wait, who's the best offensive lineman they have? Oh, no, he means he's e- easy. Easy. Oh, easy. Easy. I thought it was like easy, Courtney. Yeah. No, no, yes. Um, no, I mean, but like, they, there was even kind of that. They were going off the prototype of what they wanted. I think maybe they're going too much prototype, thinking, okay, this is the perfect yeah. specimen that we want. Yeah. And it's not realistic to yeah. 
the outside linebackers you're going to face to the to the defensive ends that are going to maul your face off. Right. It's those those types of things where you're thinking, okay, in theory, this is what we want, but realistically, it's not working. Here, here's my feeling on this, and it's felt this way about the Minnesota Vikings since I've been here. Really, is that they chase trends, they don't set them in almost anything. I mean, sometimes Zimmer on defense, but that's how it feels a lot of times. And I think that watching the Los Angeles Rams over the last few years, they thought, well, we've got to go with these lighter offensive linemen who could do the zone thing, right? We've got to, mm-hmm. got to have these zone linemen because that's where the play actions come from and everything else. And that's, that's how Delvin will succeed in the run game. But a little bit of the issue you mentioned, Alex, and I've been thinking about more often with putting five guys up there, having someone, Trey Flowers, lined up over the center last year when they played the Patriots. Trey Flowers, generally a defensive end, but they would put him over the center sometimes. Like, why is that? Oh, because he could murder Pat Elfline off the line of scrimmage. So now I feel (laughs) like what you needed instead was big human beings, especially at the center and guard positions, who can match with some of these three techniques who look a lot more like defensive ends than they do nose tackles or defensive tackles like they used to. Uh, I mean, we have all John Randalls now, it yeah. seems like, and then massive human beings like Eddie Goldman. And I don't think undersized offensive linemen are as sexy as they thought they would be. No, and you're right. I think they're getting a little too prototypical. And I think they're going, hey, you know what? Listen, this is the kind of offense we want to run. It's going to be quick. We need guys that can open and run. When theoretically, listen, we just need an offensive line and go kick their butt. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to go into some really tough places, right? We're, we're going into Detroit. That's going to be tough now. Like, they've surprised the entire league. People are like, at first, everyone that first game, they're like, all right, Ty, that's par for the course. Now they're starting to win. And you almost beat Kansas City. Like, wait a minute, timeout, no, no, this isn't happening. And then you talk about Chicago, who you already went there, you saw what happened, but they're going to come back here. They're still going to be ready to go. Yep. This division is going to be extremely competitive. And when you don't, like you said, put players out there that give you the best chance to win, but they're more just statistically, oh, this guy runs a great 40. Mm, that is great. That has nothing to do with what's going to happen when he gets hit in the face. That, nothing. Let's take a quick break. When we come back... We'll see what else you got in that notebook. We've got neck rolls to hand out. Very excited about neck rolls each week. And let's talk a little bit more about the NFC North because I saw a very interesting tweet from Football Outsiders about uh, statistical projections, which right up your alley, Alex. Not a chance. So we'll be right back here. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. He just played faster than us and you know, just just did everything you know better than us on each level. So whatever play, you know, Coach Defense, you them dial up. Or whatever they got in the game plan, we got to go out and execute. It's just part of the part of the game plan. We knew what what the game plan was, and we prepared well all week, but we just didn't go out and execute. All right, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, and former Minnesota Viking Alex Boone, who always gets high reviews on Twitter. So I appreciate <laughs> people. You'd be surprised, my friend. Not a chance. People who tweet in, oh, I enjoy listening to Alex Boone more than I liked watching him play football. So uh, wow. there you go, low bar. Wow. Anyway, <clears throat> it, here's what I want to ask you guys about, because we've just spent so much time focusing on Kirk Cousins and what went wrong. Um, on the defensive side... Were there issues or not? I mean, because there were some people who were tweeting me after the game, hey, let's not say the offense played well. They let Chase Daniel control the clock, and he most certainly did. And Chase Daniel found a lot of quick throws and things like that on third downs to keep the sticks moving. And this defense has not been particularly great in big games on the road, as we've seen going back to 2017 Philadelphia. And I, I think where we were at before, let's say, go back a couple of years with this defense is 
It was unbelievable, the amount of talent and how good they were. And now I feel like it's very good. It's very, very good. But if you're going to ask them to pitch a shutout all the time, it's just not going to happen. Well, the one thing I look back at, and the whole point about Chase Daniel and not letting a backup quarterback roll up on you like that, I think he knows the offense better than Trubisky. I think this is probably actually like a very good situation. I'd like for to the- say I, I called it when Trubisky went down. I said that's good for them. Because um, he'll be safe, with and the he'll ball. be he'll be down what for a few weeks because it's a shoulder injury. That's actually great for Matt Nagy because he's got somebody who can do exactly what he needs, um, and actually might be better for the offense overall. But Mike Zimmer said something after the uh, the game about the defensive performance. Just asked like, how do you feel that the defense came out of this game? They only gave up sixteen points, but they did move the ball on you early quite a bit. And outside of that, Tariq Cohen. Uh, touchdown where he gets matched up with Anthony Barr. The run game really didn't do a whole ton, but he said. Yeah, and the second half was a lot better than the first. We made some adjustments like we always do, but the first half we didn't play. Like I said, I don't didn't feel like we were up on guys tight enough. And so they had they made some completions to guys on short routes that didn't. We didn't keep drives going, but it really didn't affect things other than that. So I went back and I thought about it when watching the game. The way that they were playing off on third and two in like yeah. certain circumstances, it just like kind of made me like what are you doing? Like these roads I thought actually played okay early on. Or later on, and then you know there were there were moments in the beginning of the game where I'm just thinking, okay, wh- what's the strategy here? Um, and I wonder because we talked about it, they didn't get any sacks except for Everson got that garbage that second garbage time. Right. Like it really, you know, outside of that, I don't know what this says about their rotation. And I think this is something that we should talk about: does the depth and things like that with their defense? Does Mike Zimmer not trust what he has beyond those four up front? Because Hercules Mataafa was inactive this game, which we expected, given that's the matchup that they probably wanted from the backup three technique, uh, why Jalen Holmes was active, but he didn't really do anything. Um, is there something bigger picture here with the defense that I'm missing about depth and what he thinks? Like, why did why were they playing it so, allowing it to be so methodical? Allen Robinson and Javon Wims were the key to that game because Chase Daniels kept going back to them on short throws, yeah. and they just weren't defending them. Third downs where they were yeah. off the line of scrimmage, which insane. surprised me. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is they're worried about the creativity. I mean, you're thinking about an offensive coach like Matt Nagy, and hey, let's press him on third and two. Like He's going he's gonna to throw something crazy at you. You're going to have to be off a little bit. My, my biggest thing, though, is like you said, the rotation, the, the lack of trust of depth. Like If you don't mm-hmm. trust your depth, you're just going to throw all your guys out there like, hey, listen, guys, I need you to be really tough for this whole game. That's great, but when you're playing a team that's just keeps running the ball down your throat, like they're just pounding. And for whatever reason, I agree with you 100%. I think the best thing that just happened to the Bears is their quarterback going down. I think that Chase Daniels is a better quarterback in this offense than Mitch Trubisky because he can get the ball out of his hands faster. Yeah, yeah. He knows where he wants to go with the ball before he throws it. He's yep. like, yo, listen, I'm going to go here, and if it's not there, I'm going right there, and it's coming out quick. Because when you're talking about a Vikings D-line that doesn't really do anything all day, you got to be thinking, what went wrong? Because they were, I saw some spins from Everson that was like, wow. Oh, he had a, I thought he had right? a great game. He had a really like, good there game. Was and there, was, there was no slight for me about like when the sack happened. Yeah, it just no. happened so late. No, no, I agree. But no, he's been incredible That's this year. how you neutralize a defense like that. You say, hey, listen, we're going to run the ball as much as we physically have to to win this game. Doesn't matter. We don't care if we run for 100 yards or negative 100. We're still just going to pound on them. We're going to take these quick shots. We're going to run these stick routes. We're going to run these out routes. And when we think we're ready, we're going to take our shot. And you saw one with Tariq Cohen down the side that he that he didn't catch in time. Yeah. He obviously stepped out of bounds. He didn't have total control. But great, you think of, Great throw, though. Right. But you think about that and you go, man, they're lulling them to sleep. And then at the last second, they're like, hey, right now we're taking our shot. And then they did it with the touchdown, too, where they run a slant route and then they run a you know an out route from the backfield. You're like, man, 
Perfect timing to run that. I thought it was ironic that the Bears, how they played, shutting down the Vikings offense, causing fumbles, things like that, and then having a quarterback get the ball out quick, playing a very simple game. That was the game I thought the Vikings were going to need to use to beat the Bears. We did. That is exactly the strategy that could totally work for the Minnesota Vikings, but they have the wrong guy to run that type of offense. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins just can't not seem really, to though. do what the Chase Daniel offense was doing, which is get the ball out quick. Now, the problem here is everybody wants to take this deep shot with Thielen and Diggs. Everybody's yeah. got to run the over route. we got to run the dig route. we got to run a post corner, a Dino. Dude, listen, run your out routes. Run your stick routes. Who cares if it's sexy? Nobody cares anymore. Everybody just wants to get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Get me to the playoffs and I'll make it fancy then. Roger that, dude. Now you got dudes running downfield. Your quarterback's taking all these hits. You need to just make the game simpler. That's exactly what they did. Who cares if nobody likes it? We're going to win the game and walk away happy. Club Dubs on tonight, boys. Yeah, except for that, you know, did not happen for the Vikings, which they. No, but you're right. They that was that should. That's why I said. Do you think they abandoned the run early? It doesn't matter if you're gaining yards. Listen, if you're an offensive coordinator, I've talked to tons of them. Some of the greatest minds to ever coach in this game. They're like, dude, it doesn't matter. You need to run the ball 20 times at least. You have got to put the fear in them. If you're going nowhere, it's still going to wear on the big boys. It's going to wear on people. That's when the receivers get their chance to hit the cornerbacks. That's when you guys get your chance to hit the cornerbacks. That's why Giro loved toss plays, whack plays, truck plays, G plays. Because he would put the guards and tackles on the cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. He'd be like, you know what? I want you to just massacre him. He'd be like, cut him. Run out there and cut him. He'd be like, all right, cool. Randy Moss, running downfield. Can you cut a safety for us? Hey, man, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> like, it was like, dude, everybody was getting massacred on the out. And then on third down, they were just, all these DBs were just slow to the ball. And you were like, why are they so slow? Oh, because the tackle just smeared him on the sideline. No problem. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And Get uh, creative. Well, well, and Courtney, do you think that they have been creative enough? And, you know, I, I thought last week that, they would go into that game and say, all right, we've got to hit slants. We've got to hit some of these shorter screens. passes, too, screens. Whatever Not too to much, t- though. Not too much. Whatever happened to the tight end screen, though? We saw it in week two, and that was it. Good. Shouldn't see it again. No? Stop. Okay. Screens are sprinkled on. They're not loaded on. Right? you got to okay. sprinkle that thing That's on. Fair. It's like a topping. But Look at all the screens that everyone's like reading out. Before you even know it's a screen, the linebacker's like, hold on. Watch. Got it. <laughs> Play made. How hard was that? But but getting the ball out quickly, I, I felt like they did that at times. The ball that digs fumbles actually yeah. is is something that I thought that they would pull out more often, where they do wear on them for the run game. But then, I mean, you knew that those deep plays down the field, either Kirk was going to get spooked or he wasn't going to be able to have enough time because of Khalil Mack, and yet that still seemed to be looking at the next gen. Things that chart out the plays with little dots. I mean, they were running a lot of deep routes with those wide receivers, and it wasn't like they were down 16 the whole game. They didn't have to do that. Yes, and I want to get back to that point, but before I forget, because we're talking about creativity, and you know, we're talking about wanting to run the ball, stick with it. What What's your take? I'm looking at the fourth quarter right now. When they open up their first drive, I think it started at where it's at 13-24. So they're running. On first and 10 from their own 28, you're down 16-0 at this point. Yeah. I know it's still pretty early. Would you have stuck with that type of play yeah. call right there? Absolutely. Okay, how come? I'm running everything. I'm running Dalvin Cook until I absolutely can't because that's how I know how I win. People want to just... You're not going to make this team magically show up and become something they're not. I've been on a ton of teams that coaches would be like, please, God, let's just show up and do this one time. You're like, dude, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. 
We are who we are. We are a run-the-ball team. So on first and second down, no matter how you shake it, do it out of 11, 12, 13, 22, 21, 20. Go out of zero personnel if you can find a way to do it. Run the run. ball. There's so many creative ways to run the ball. I'm watching Andy Reid and Matt Nagy, mm-hmm. even Jay Gruden sometimes. You're like, man, that's really kind of cool. Like, I get what you're doing. I get it. Okay, great. Giro, look what he's doing at the Ravens, putting up huge numbers. Right now, obviously not this last week, but before that. There's people just they want to look at this and they go, hey, listen, we're just gonna we're gonna call this a zone, right? We're just gonna have one guy whacked out and we'll call it something special and people are gonna love it. No, you got to be more creative than that. I got to see your F go across in motion. I got to see a little Z mo, a little fly. I got to see people moving where my defense is like, hey, I don't know which way it's coming from, but if it comes from up the middle, we're in trouble. Isn't that the like the thing about uh, Chicago and how much misdirection they use? Why Um, haven't the Vikings caught on with that? And I know. You can still do that type of stuff, Kevin Stefanski. You can still be a run-first offense and using fly motions and jet sweeps and a lot of these things. We saw it against a bad defense yeah. in the Raiders, yeah. and it worked on that touchdown. They even where, did it against Atlanta sometimes. Yeah, it, I felt like we didn't see why it Why don't we see more Sunday? of that? Because you can only run that so many times, right? You're only going to see the receiver go in motion before the safety goes, hold on, guys. I'm just going to go out here so he doesn't outflank me, and I'll bring him to the party, okay? You guys just run this way. Like These coaches, they want to be lazy, and they'll go, hey, listen, we'll just run it out of a diamond formation or emerald. You know, We're going to just change up one guy. When there's so many different ways to look at an offense, you can go, man, we could do this out of a 3 by one this way, a 2 by 2 out of here. We could do it out of a 2 by 2 tight end set. I mean, they just want to look at it and go, hey, if we run zone here, there's a good chance we have numbers, we have Dalvin. We could possibly do this. When they need to be like, we're going to get on the edge right now, make all the inside guys run, and we're going to smash your corner so we can run down the field. Uh, let me throw this out there to you guys. Um, football Outsiders, Aaron Schatz tweeted out the projections that Football Outsiders has for the rest of the season for the win totals based on these first four weeks. Three NFC North teams projected at nine wins. The Minnesota Vikings projected at eight wins. This season, I think we would look forward and say, you know what, two and two, this can totally be turned around. This is going to be all right, probably as much as it was last year or it's ever been with Kirk Cousins, but maybe they could still get to 10 and six, so forth. But when I look at the division, four games still left to go, and I look at the rest of the schedule, that's where it becomes really hard. Like this division is pretty incredible. It's probably the best in football, right? I think, I mean, yeah, they don't have a super team, but top to bottom, yes. Best defenses in football. Oh, by far. No question. So, I mean, I think that's why I don't like to put like the whole must-win thing because I feel like that becomes our narrative every single week. Like For the last few weeks, everything's been must-win for right. Kirk Cousins since he botched the Green Bay game. But it really does feel like that here because of just how quickly this thing could skid out of control if you don't beat the Giants because you have an Eagles team that I think could win the Super Bowl yeah. coming in week well, six. They need to... They need to- their back end is rough. Yeah, they need real to, rough. And it's amazing because the numbers game worked like in their favor. It yeah. almost felt like they had too many guys to right. begin with, and you were wondering who they were going to cut. But um, outside of that, I mean, you have you have Eagles. You have to go on the road and play a Detroit team that might have the best secondary in football, and then you have the Redskins. So it's like when we're projecting out the schedule at the beginning of the three o'clock hour. I mean, you look at this and you're like, wow, they really could be three and four going into that Washington game. And you don't have any room for error at that point right. beyond that. You have to, in, you know, Kansas City and Dallas on the road, Seattle on the road, the Chargers on the road, and you still have a few other division, three, you know, three division opponents beyond that. Like, it just doesn't seem realistic to me that if you, do, if you don't win this game, it's, it's, it's not a gimme, but it has to almost feel like this is like 
so much must win because you don't have any room for error on the rest of the schedule. And you never know. Like we talked about the, the trap games. Is, is that going to be Washington? Is it going to be the Broncos and Vic Fangio's defense? I don't know. Well, I think that's been the huge, the biggest letdown this year is the Broncos defense. Oh, I know. I mean, it's going sad. into Definitely. week four, you're like, wait a minute, if I'm not, have a sack, what's going on over here? And then Bradley Chubb gets hurt. 270 yards on the ground, yeah. 104 net. I yeah. mean, that's just, that's crazy, but you're right. And and who better to beat you than the old offensive coordinator that used to play every day and be like, hey, listen, I know where we can go. Let's go with this one. You know, those. that's when those guys could become their best, is when they're playing each other. Like, you know, when Shermer gets to go against a Zimmer, because they used to go every day at it, and he knew he knows his tendencies, and he's like, "Listen, I know that this is where he wants X, and this is where he wants, you know, Anthony Harris, and this is where he wants Harry." And guys, listen, I know all the calls, and I know all this. I mean, that is such a huge beneficial because Zim doesn't know anything of his. When you go to a new team, everything's out the window. You're you're calling new stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to kind of integrate to what they have, and then you're like, "Hey, I, I like to call this this." And then the so team, you're saying he probably changed a lot of his of course verbiage you, you and have all that to because, because when he, you go to a new team, you can't be like, yeah. "This is my verbiage." I'd be like, "No, no, this is my team. <laughs> you came to my team, <laughs> right? What is you're gonna just come in and learn some offense, but we're gonna have to keep the same terminology because mm-hmm. I've been doing it for so long. We're all accustomed to it." It's easier for one guy to learn it than it would be 15 guys to learn a whole new... Now, there's some things they come in and say, hey, listen, this is going to be a B. This is a deuce. Duh. But for the most part, when you know all the defensive calls and they don't know your offensive calls, you can be like, dude, listen, you're going to know a lot. They say Cougar, you know it's a slant somewhere. They say Fire Zone, you know someone's dropping. Let's go. Let's take a break. we got neck rolls to hand out when we come back. I'm doing mine a little differently this week. Oh, <sighs> Hope you're ready for it. Okay. A, tw- a twist... Two neck rolls uh, that we hand out for acts of toughness in the NFL. That's when we return. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with this hour's download. And to continue the tradition from the first hour, more quarterback trade reckless speculation. This time from Dan Orlovsky over at ESPN on SportsCenter this morning. The Minnesota Vikings should seriously contemplate trading for Josh Rosen. Kirk Cousins right now is not getting it done. They have a certainly a, a roster that can compete for a championship. Rosen has shown to do some really good things in a bad situation in Miami. Minnesota needs to have that conversation at quarterback. I think we've heard that one somewhere, maybe on Score North Live earlier this year or Purple. Purple Daily earlier this year from one certain host of this show. Matthew Collar might have had that earlier this year. That's been your score with Donald. Now back to Purple Daily. I did bring up that idea at one point, yes, but not... Was that before or after the Antonio Kirk, Brown no, um, speculation? I did not know. I'm kidding. I just wanted to pile on. crazy Whoa. Antonio Brown. What was the speculation? Well, here, here was he my... Made, he made a case as to why, before we theory. knew about all the stuff, I'll I let did you explain not know it. Antonio Brown was sexually assaulting people and everything else, okay? I didn't, know, I didn't know it got that I don't weird, think anybody okay? really knows. Nobody knows. I, I thought that. he didn't get along with Ben Roethlisberger, and I thought, well... Would I get along with Ben Roethlisberger? Probably not. He doesn't seem that pleasant of a fella. So I thought, okay, all right. Well, they do this to guys all the time, where you sort of become public enemy number one in football, and then everything you do, everything you post online, Bad. becomes a big story. Yeah. You know, you know oh, how yeah. this goes. Seen it. And a lot of times, it's like, well, he's not really that bad. It's just that they're making a big deal out of everything. And it, Antonio Brown is unbelievable. So my case was, look, you already went all in on Kirk. So why don't you just give him everything in the world and throw for 5,000 yards? And even if it comes at the sacrifice of some of the defensive players and some who are getting paid a lot of money to not be that great, even if it comes at the sacrifice of those players, 
why not get one of the best receivers? Because the last time this team had three unbelievable receivers, it was Moss, Carter, and Jake Reed, and they went 15-1. and That was the argument. Now, once all the other stuff came out, I yeah, thought, it's... okay, all right. I didn't know he was this crazy, yeah. all right? I thought... I actually thought that the helmet thing was a great scam. You get out of <laughs> you get out of camp, you get traded to New England. Okay, good for you. But the other stuff, no, 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 no. no. I didn't know about that. Way too much. Uh, all right, neck rolls to hand out mm. or uh, take away uh, or take, take away. away. Courtney is a unique spin on neck roll of the week, and uh, this. go off. Go ahead. Can I get yeah. some music, Jonathan? Let's, let's lay it out there. Once upon a time, the NFL was tough. And the fullbacks wore neck rolls. Each week, we learn that the league hasn't gone soft. And for the player who demonstrated the most grit, we award the neck roll of the week. How Manny has not been hired by NFL films? I do not know. I'm so good. I'm hyped. Well... It kind of just brings up why I want to take neck rolls away because of that type of meat-headed toughness that has no place in today's NFL. So I have two neck rolls that, had these been clean hits, had it not been the same perpetrators of this nonsense, it probably would have said, here's your neck roll. See you next week. But I'm going to take neck rolls away from Andrew Sandejo for the hit of injuring your own teammate, the he- the helmet-to-helmet contact where Avante Maddox, I thought he died out there. And, that and was, Sandejo is being reckless when he did it. His head is down. He's, he's reckless to begin forward. with. Yeah. This is not something, you know this. Like, this is not something that has been, it's, it's not an anomaly. That is who Andrew Sandejo is. And I was so angry with Troy Aikman for saying, like, yeah, you don't see guys playing the way he does anymore and, like, trying to make it sound like that's refreshing. Guys don't play that way because guys are trying not to get CTE, Troy Aikman. <laughs> Don't know if you know a thing or two about that. Anyways, that's one that I'm taking away. And also, I mean, this one goes out saying, go go in a hole somewhere and, and cover yourself up and bury yourself, Vontez Perfect. I never want to see you in the NFL ever again. Awful. When you, are, when you are one of these players... Guy's just down on the ground. Jack Doyle's... Trying to kill Again, him. dead. So, I mean, to me, I'm so thankful the NFL did something correct here. I mean, think about it, though. John Gruden's comment from like two weeks ago aged real well. Remember yeah. somebody asking about Vontez Perfect and like, you know, playing within the rules. He's like, I'm so tired of hearing that. He's been nothing but great here. Your general manager in 2012 called him, quote, undraftable, yeah. non draftable, whatever the yeah. word was. Just absurd. So. They actually did it right. They this did it right. Is, we, we ripped Good them job, NFL. So I rip you every often, single day. Thank you for doing something it. correct. They did a great <laughs> job here. He doesn't deserve to be playing. So, yeah, n- no neck rolls. I mean, I'm going to keep them for myself. This week. Fair enough. That your, is fair. Your neck roll of the week, Alex. No, I insist. I, ins- I want to hear You want him. me to go first? I, I do. I want to hear him. I'm curious. You know what? So Baker Mayfield is getting a lot of credit for this win in Cleveland. And he did a good job. He threw for 342 yards. So no question, he was slinging it around. But Nick Chubb mm. is a guy that, A, has a name that sounds like it needs a <laughs> neck roll on it. Like, if I wrote his name, I would draw a neck roll on that name. 165 yards on 20 carries, three touchdowns, unstoppable at the goal line. Nick Chubb gets my neck roll of the week. And I think that with him playing like this, that offense for Cleveland can be okay. Even if I don't really know if Freddie Kitchens can do the job perfectly, Nick Chubb is a monster. I love it. So, uh, as promised, I'm going with the quarterback this week. I was shocked. I know. I couldn't believe it. I I don't know if anyone saw this, but Taysom Hill, did you see the the quarterback carry where he ran – he ran like you know he did the yes. RPO and he takes off like 
for once, the quarterback actually took off with the ball. Like the defense was like, oh my God, he actually took off. So they're chasing him. The safety comes out of nowhere to make the tackle. This dude drops his shoulder and drop the safety. I mean, I was Saw like, that. oh my God. You know. That guy went back to the huddle like, guys, don't say a word about it. Don't say one word. Because Drew Brees was on the sideline like, oh, my God. Does he count a- as a quarterback? Because he's kind of like a quarterback slash tight end. He was playing the quarterback right position when it happened. Okay, so I'm going to say, I got to say quarterback. Quarterback gets your neck I want to give an honorable mention because I played this guy a couple times, and I know how fierce he is. I think that what Kyle Allen did by escaping the J.J. Watt sack was incredible. Yeah. Like, you kind of, like, just got out of it. And not only him, but then Gardner Minshew, you get a sack fumble, you pick up the ball and throw it. I considered him for that play, for getting my neck. That was awesome. Those two guys alone are just making this league so fun to watch. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, I I didn't expect that at all from Gardner Minshew. You, You assume that the season is just over when these guys get hurt, but I think it's remarkable how many more quarterbacks seem to be competent in the NFL than maybe ever before. I think because a lot of it, too, is... If you can get a guy with good instincts, right? Like, hey, listen, we know you're not Drew Brees. We know you're not Tom Brady. But we know you can throw an out route pretty damn well. Matter of fact, you can throw a stick route. I bet you you could throw an over route if we tried. But let's just stick to those three. Like, let's not go crazy with this offense. Mm -hmm. Let's not make it where it shifts in motions. Hey, maybe we don't shift in motion as much. That's why you're seeing all these quarterbacks. Look at Mason Rudolph in in, uh or not Philly, but uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. He's like 20 for 24 last night, just destroying it. You're like, wait a minute. That's a real NFL defense, right? Like those guys really are trying right now. <laughs> this is a backup coming out here putting up numbers that then they're not a, you know 400 yards, but still they're good. I think the interesting thing there when you talk about Jacksonville, and I know just with John D. Filippo's departure here of what we expected might have happened with that offense, and then you lose Nick Foles, and you're like, well, what are they going to do? You're not. See- I think he's really simplified it in a way. I mean, look yeah. at what Leonard Fournette did in Denver. I mean, yeah, it was against that defense, but for you know, it's just funny how a year later. The guy who was criticized for not running the ball enough figured out how to do it. Yeah. And against you know, a good defense, they're not, supposedly. They're not going in all in on like the RPOs and the stuff that he like he did with really good quarterbacks in Philly. He's figuring out ways to make you know, really I think he's turning Gardner into some some will say it's a system type quarterback for, for now. Sure. And he has to be. Yes. But he's doing it really well. Like Absolutely. I, you know, hats off to him for what he's doing in Jacksonville, just kind of given the circumstances, keeping it alive beyond the Tennessee win. I thought yeah. that was great. Uh, last question for you guys for the show. Um, this week, what do you need to hear from the Minnesota Vikings at uh, the podium and so forth? The the message to believe that the walls are not collapsing. I don't know if I need to hear a message. To I don't know if anything's going to make me believe otherwise. I'm not saying the sky is falling right now, but there is definitely reason for concern. And I don't know. I think when, when cure, when it, winning cures that stuff. And I just don't think that anything that they can say, like Kurt going up there and he sw- we've talked about this. He swung it completely the other way, where it's like I may never play quarterback again if I play like that. Um, and that's just that's excessive. just it's, it's excessive. It's ingenuous. Don't tease us. Don't tease um, us. But <laughs> yeah, we like that. Um, you know, no, no more. Nothing more like that is going to. Help me! I don't know. I just I'm not I'm not into it. I just think that there has to be. If you win this week, that will silence at least for another week. What you I guess what the message has to be. Okay. No, it's not. Fi- final word though. Tell me what it's like then in the meeting in the meetings with Mike Zimmer with the coaching terrible. staff. It's terrible right now. Everyone's getting bitched at. Everybody. I mean, they're coming down hard because they're like, listen, guys, that was a backup that beat us, and now we're going into New York. 
And if you don't come out of here with a W, I promise you by the time that plane lands here in Minnesota, somebody's getting fired. Hmm. You cannot come out of New York without a W, yeah. guaranteed. That That is the feel. And we're calling for jobs by week week six. I mean, on that, board ba- on that board back there, I said Gary's calling plays by week five, and uh, who it knows? Bold. It was very it was bold. Very we bold. tried. Alex Boone, Thursday, you and I. Boom. Courtney Cronin, we will see you back here on Tuesday. Of course, read her work at ESPN.com. And uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next.